0: Okay, well, we've been obviously on this uh, topic of marriage now for, I think, this is maybe the fourth or fifth week, fourth week, Um, and I think it's just been awesome, and and I really believe that the Lord is just going to just do a work within this congregation in our marriages, Um, strengthening the ones that are already strong, and then the ones that are weak, just seeing them grow and seeing them blossom and and become strong. I love the testimony Pastor Ron shared at the beginning of this series, Um, and I wanted just to remind you of that testimony that that when they had first started coming here, there was, there was two marriages that were, I think on the brink of divorce, they were just really struggling, and that um, God just miraculously healed both of their marriages, and like he said, it'd be as if, as if somebody laid their hands on a sick person and they were instantly recovered, it was as though that happened to their marriage, that the Lord just miraculously restored their marriage, and I believe that there's a grace on this house through this series for that to happen, and so if your marriage is struggling, and if, if you're having a hard time, then I believe that the Lord can bring healing to you miraculously um, uh, through, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Before we get going, we have another video for you this morning. Um, so if you want to look to the screen, Richard and Linda have some words for us. Well, thank you guys for uh, being willing to sit down with us and for us to interview you. Um, we know that you guys have had a strong marriage and that you're a, just a prime example of what a good marriage looks like. And so I appreciate once again for you to do this and uh, we're looking forward to gleaning some wisdom from you guys. Um, so my first, first question for you is, how long have you been married? 59 years, three months, seven days. Man, that's a good husband right there. <laughs> did she tell you that beforehand? No, I just figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> he
1: was sitting there. Oh my goodness. Yeah,
0: man, that's there's some advice right there. Is no down to the day.
1: There we go. That's I'm awesome. <laughs> um,
0: so what? Where did that journey begin? How did you guys meet? When did you fall in love? When did you decide to get married?
1: Mm, a friend of mine was having a. Girl-ass boy party, and <clears throat> I thought hmm, I know who I want to ask. So I, I made, got up the nerve and I said, Richard, would you go to um, Patty Klausler's uh, party with me? It's a girl asked boy party. Oh, how we're going to get there? Because we were both 15, and I said, you want my folks to take us, or do you? Well. I can drive if you weren't telling anybody I don't have my license. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so um, that's how we did that.
0: On that first date, I guess, you know, we, we hit it off and I right here, this is the woman I want to live with yeah. the rest of my life. Oh, that's good. So married again, 59 years. What would you say your favorite part about being married is? doing things together. I we've done a lot of it. sports activities. Water skiing, snow skiing.
1: And I enjoyed... Riding motorcycles.
0: Yeah, riding motorcycles, dirt bikes. Yes. And we've done it as a family. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I remember one time I got to... Uh, I was having too much fun. <laughs> he was sitting in a chair in the living room. This was at our very first farmhouse. And he always... After we cleaned up for the evening, he would um, put on this old, ratty, holy, white (laughs) t-shirt. And I had uh, been working out with the hogs while he was resting a while. And I came in and I still had the hot shot in my hand. And I... Got him right in the back of, of those holes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> I get you with it, uh-huh. <laughs> Did you hurt it then? Huh?
0: You really got hurt then? Yeah, oh, in the back of my good.
1: leg because I was trying to get over the fence. Yeah.
0: so that's how you you bossed him around then, is hey, you boy, just got that? Better stay in line. I <laughs> just showed that hot shot. Yeah. Oh, so the key to a good marriage is having a hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hot you hot be been boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so you you talked about you uh you raise i think you raised four kids together um and so i'm sure you've been through all kinds of different things um throughout your many years of marriage what's maybe one of the most difficult things you had to go through as a married couple whether it was a situation or maybe even a conflict between between you two or you know what what was probably one of the more difficult things that you had to go through and how did you overcome that as a couple
1: are you thinking the same one i am will you say yours? (laughs) When Brenda got so sick Mm -hmm. and then she passed away that was just hard Mm -hmm. very, very hard but she was very brave she was diagnosed at 29 and she didn't die until she was 50 but it's so hard to see your children suffer the way
0: that she did so in those situations what was it um I'm trying to think how to ask the question how did uh how did you guys get through that as a couple how how did that affect your
1: marriage well that really I think it made it stronger because um she always had to be fed her lunch because she couldn't use her hands and um This particular day, something happened, and I had to go help my mother. And I asked Richard, I said, can you handle her lunch? Sure. And um, as soon as I got there, it was so humbling to see my husband, who had uh, warmed up her lunch in her room. We had all the Britt and Carla helped, and we made sure there was everything there to prepare a meal for, because she could eat very little and he was bending over and he was doing what he always did when he fed him when there were a baby. Here's a go. Here's a bite. <laughs> you know? And then wow. he'd put it in her mouth and she, she could barely talk and she said, Daddy, you're so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man. And I had tears. I thought, oh, I love that man.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Man, what a good story. Yeah. What is maybe one thing that has kept your marriage strong i know that there's obviously many factors um, that can go into that there's many things that you could probably say that you know makes a strong marriage but if you could just pick one attribute for your for your guys's relationship what's maybe that one thing that just has helped solidify your marriage and keep it as strong as it is today your turn
1: huh? your
0: turn my right, say so love
1: yes love is strong
0: a lot of people in our generation, when they think of love, it's, it's always about feelings. It's about how, you know, it's all the butterflies in your stomach. But what does love look like after 59 years of marriage? Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at it.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Aren't they awesome? You know, we have a lot of marriages in here that can be um, looked up to and can be followed, I think Richard and Linda is definitely on the top of that list. Um, I had the pleasure in that video that I had to cut out a lot of stuff. I had over, thir- I think over 30 minutes of video of stories and, and thoughts and advice um, that was just awesome. It was just humbling to sit there and listen to and to look at this couple who's been married for almost sixty years, and uh, still love each other just as strong as they did when they were fifteen, and Richard was breaking the law. <laughs> and uh, and really, that's the point of these videos: is you know we're we're a f- nice, tight family congregation, but I think a lot of times we see each other every Sunday, we see each other at life groups, and we we forget how much wisdom is within our congregation, and uh, so that's what we really wanted to do these videos for is, man, if you're, if you're, if you have a marriage that is struggling, or if you don't have a marriage that's struggling, and your marriage is going great, man, there's so many couples within this congregation that have had just a strong, long, dedicated marriage that we could just glean so much from, so don't hesitate to go ask those people questions or talk to those people or, uh, just follow their example. Um, because again, like you saw in that video, there's so many here that have that kind of a a testimony, that kind of a marriage. So thank you, Richard and Linda for sharing with us. Um, again, I have like a 30 minute video. I can give you the unedited, uncensored version of that if you're interested, because there's a lot of really fun, good stories within that video. So, um, so come see me if you want that. So, all right. So we've been, again, talking about marriage. Last week, I talked. I started talking about the subject of uh, cultivating and protecting. That to have a solid, strong marriage, I think you can boil it down. There's lots of factors that go into it, but I think you can, you can narrow it down to two primary things. You have to be able to cultivate your marriage, and you have to be able to protect your marriage. Cultivating is... Um, is the as let's just use this example? Cultivating is like, for instance, we have rose bushes out here at the church. We have a couple out there at our house, and uh, they're the knockout roses for all of you gardeners out there. And there's a lot of things you have to do to take care of them, to cultivate them. You have to cut them back. You have to prune them. You have to water them. You have to fertilize them. You have to do all kinds of things to, to, uh, you have to pull weeds. You have to do all kinds of things to cultivate them, to let them grow. But how many of you realize that if you do all of those things, but don't protect them, then you are taking the chance of a small beetle coming in and eating all the leaves away and destroying the plant that actually happened to us last year. Uh, some, uh, to our rose bushes out here, we just don't have very good luck with the rose bushes Sometimes, uh, or, or out here in the in our in our front uh, gardening area out there. So, but last year, that's exactly what happened. We were cultivating. We cut them back. Although the first year, we Pastor Ron and I were in charge of that, and we didn't realize that you couldn't just take a hedge trimmer and just round them off. But I don't know. Nobody warned us. We thought we were doing something good, but like we killed half of them that year <laughs> by doing that. But. Anyways, you have to you have to cultivate, but then you also have to protect. You have to get out the bug killer, right? And you have to spray them down with the with the seven spray, and you have to uh, put the, the the pre the preen is that right? The the uh, weeder stuff. I'm not a gardener. <laughs> Can you tell? Maybe I should have used a different example that I maybe know a little more about. But you have to protect it because if you don't protect it, all the cultivating in the world isn't going to keep it alive. If if the beetle comes in and eats eats the rose bush, right? So you have to cultivate. And last week, we talked a lot about the cultivating. And again, there's so much that can go into that. We covered just, just barely any, or just scratch the surface of what that looks like. And I know even in some of the previous messages, that could, some of the stuff we've talked about can fall under the category of cultivating. Um, but some of the stuff we talked about, we talked about... Ephesians 5, every woman's favorite verse in the Bible, the women submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Men, but then it goes on and says, men, love your wives as Christ loved his church and gave himself, gave himself for it. So yeah, I know there's that verse in there about women having to submit, but guys, girls, how did Jesus love the church? He died for them. So I don't really feel too bad for you ladies in that verse because we have to die for you. So women, it says, women submit to your husband, men lay down your lives for your wives, love your wives. What does that look like? What does that mean? I believe Paul is giving us some of the two greatest needs of a man and a woman. Men need honor and respect. They need to know that they are appreciated, that they are valued, that they are needed, that there's no other human being on the planet that you'd rely on over them. Women need love and security They need to know that they are first before anything else, before sports, before hanging out with the guys, before our hobbies, before our jobs. They need to feel protected and not just protected from bullies or people being rude to them or people trying to hurt them. They need to feel protected from anything that could steal your gaze away from them becoming the most important thing to them. They need that protection. They need love and security. Men need honor and respect. And I believe that these two very basic needs are the lens through which we see the rest of our marriage. That if these needs are not being met, then everything else will be seen through the lens of not feeling honored not feeling respected. When you come to them and say, hey, I've had this issue, this really hurt my feelings, or whatever the issue is, they're gonna hear that through the lens of you don't honor or respect them if that needs not being met. Or if you come, husbands, if you go to your wives and you have an issue and you're trying to talk to them about it, they're gonna hear everything through the lens of not feeling secure in the relationship, not feeling like they're the most important thing. That if those things are not in their proper place or order, everything is heard through that filter. So it's incredibly important to cultivate those needs in the relationship. And of course, there's so many other needs that we have as individuals, but I think Paul here is telling us two of the very basic essential needs between a male, a man and a woman. Amen? So that's what, we, that's what we talked about last week. We talked a lot about cultivating. This week, I want to talk to you about protecting. What does that look like? What does protecting look like? How how do you protect your marriage? Because if you just cultivate and you don't protect, then you're, you're, you're not doing everything you can do to help serve your marriage. So protecting. Let's look at, let's look at Song of Solomon. Jump into Song of Solomon chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 3. That's right. Song of, you can't do a marriage series without jumping into Song of Solomon. And I left out some of the sketchy verses since we have a mixed crowd in here. So uh, that's why I'm skipping around a little bit. So Solomon, here, here it is. Uh, uh, this is a conversation, a poem between S- Solomon and his bride. So it says this, it says, my beloved is to me the most fragrant apple tree. He stands above the sons of men, sitting under his grace shadow. I blossom in his shade, enjoying the sweet taste of his pleasant, delicious fruit, resting with the light where his glory never fades." Girls, is this your husband or what, right? Suddenly, he transported me into his house of wine. He looked upon me with his unrelenting love divine. Revive me with your raisin cakes. Man, I didn't know raisin cakes were that powerful. I need to try these raisin cakes, apparently. Refresh me again with your apples. Help me and hold me, for I am lovesick. I am longing for more, yet how could I take more? Next verse. Is anybody uncomfortable? Yeah, I guess so uncomfortable reading this. On. His left hand cradles my head while his right hand holds me close. I am at rest in his love. Keep going. Promise me, bride-to-be, by the gentle gazelles and delicate deer, that you'll not disturb my love until she is ready to arise. Listen, I hear my lover's voice. I know it's him coming to me, leaping with joy over the mountains and skipping in love over the hills that separate us to come to me. Let me describe him. He is as graceful as a gazelle, swift. <laughs> oh wow. He is swift as a wild stag. This is how Amber describes me all the time. <laughs> swift as a gazelle and as wild as a stag. Now he comes closer, even to the places where I hide. He gazes into my soul, peering through the portal as he blossoms within my heart. The one I love calls to me. Keep going. <laughs> Go as fast as you can because the pauses are make it even more awkward. <laughs> can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purpose and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of the flowers whisper. There is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. I think one more. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. Going to stop there, Chad. Does this sound like a couple that's struggling at all? No, they sound deeply, madly, grossly in love, right? They're that couple in Walmart that you're like kind of grossed out by because they just they're kissing, they're hugging, holding hands, you're covering your kid's eyes, trying to walk in the other direction because they're just grossing people out, right? They're that couple that is just madly in love. But then Solomon hits us with verse 15. Verse 15, next verse. He says, you must catch the troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I have planted within you. You will catch them and remove them for me, and we will do it together. So Solomon, all, and again, I skipped a bunch. I read a lot, but I skipped a bunch. Solomon, the whole book of Song of Solomon is about their, their growing, dynamic love for one another. There couldn't be, they're, 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 by the, on the outside looking in, it doesn't look like anything could disrupt this relationship, that they are completely captivated with one another. But then Solomon slides in this little verse here and says, catch for us these little foxes that would come along and spoil the vine. What's Solomon saying here? What's Solomon trying to tell us? Solomon's trying to tell us that we have to protect our marriage, not from the giant disasters, but from the little things that would try to creep in. How many of you realize that nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, man, I love my wife. I think I'm going to commit adultery today. Nobody just decides, I think I'm going to divorce my wife today. You know, it's, it's little things that build into big things. It's, it's Psalm, it doesn't say, let's catch and watch for the bears with the giant claws that are going to come and rip our garden to pieces. He says, watch for the little fox, the little thing that seems insignificant, that doesn't seem like it would be a big deal, the little thing that would come in that can sneak in through the cracks of the vineyard that goes in unnoticed, but it ruins the vine. And that's what we have to protect ourselves from. See, a lot of times we look at, we, we protect ourselves, yet yeah, obviously we want to protect ourselves from adultery and from, from lying to each other and all of those big things, but all of those big things. Again, they don't just happen. Nobody wakes up and says that this is going to happen. It's always little compromises here and there. It's little things here and there that spoil the vitus. There's little foxes that we have to watch out for, right? It's the little foxes that we have to watch out for. So how do we do that? We have to Again, we have to not only cultivate, but we have to protect. Because again, like Solomon is saying here, they're, in the, they're cultivating their relationship. Their relationship's blooming. It's blossoming. But, he have to, but he's saying we still have to protect ourselves from the little foxes that come in. So what does that look like? I want to give you just a few things, a few very practical ways to, to protect your marriage. And how many know this, this kind of thing is extremely practical, right? There's a, we don't have to over-spiritualize this. It can be very practical, simple things that we do to protect our marriage, to protect our union with our spouse. Very simple, small things, and there's, there's several of them that we could talk about, but I just want to give you a handful this morning, okay? Number one, your spouse has to be your best friend, Your spouse has to be your best friend. They need to be the one that you celebrate with, the one you vent to, the shoulder you cry on, the only person in the world that knows everything about you. They have to be your absolute best friend, period. When I have something exciting happen in my life or something cool happens at work, the very first person I call, the one that I'm excited to tell is Amber. She's, she's the very first person I call. If, if I'm frustrated about something and I'm upset about something, I don't call and vent to James, my brother-in-law, my good friend. I call and I talk to my wife, my best friend, my companion, my, my wife. She has to be the one that I go to, the one that whether it's the best news in the world or it's the worst news in the world, she is the one that I find refuge in she's the one i'm excited to talk to about it she's the one that I go to when I see something that i shouldn 't make fun of, but I can't help myself. I snap a picture of it and I send it to amber she's the one I send it to first I want I, these, this seems like such a small thing, but it's actually huge okay that our spouse has to be our best friend, the one that we love to hang out with you know I, I love going and hanging out with the guys. I like hanging out with my friends. I like going to play basketball. I love going uh, to the Harner's house sometimes and, and shooting, uh, shooting pit, clay pigeons. I love all of that stuff, and it's awesome. But you know what? Yesterday, Amber and I went out, and we just had a, just a real simple day. We tried on shoes for, and we ate at Texas Roadhouse and we just went, just did just whatever. We just left the kids at my mom and dad's and just hung out. And I'll tell you what, that is the funnest thing that I can do because I got to hang out with my best friend. And that's the way a marriage should be. Your spouse should be your absolute best friend, the one you want to spend all of your time with. And, and so that's important that you cultivate. I know... That, that you cultivate that sort of thing that your, that your spouse is your best friend and that in itself is protecting you from outside things, from little things coming in and trying to steal your gaze, okay? And that'll make more sense even further as we go in to it. We're gonna talk a little bit more about friends later. But first and foremost, your spouse has to be your best friend and that doesn't mean, let me say this, that doesn't mean you can't have other friends. You can't have other good, close friends. It just means they take a back seat to your spouse. That they are number one, okay? Told you, this is gonna be very practical. Number two, nothing, listen, nothing is hidden. Absolutely nothing is hidden. There is nothing about me that Amber doesn't know. There is nothing about her that I don't know, at least as far as I know. (laughs) Nothing is hidden, okay? Nothing is off limits to your spouse. This includes text messages, call history, emails, web history, social media, bank accounts, and underwear drawers. Nothing, nothing is hidden from your spouse, okay? That if you feel like you have to cover it up and hide it from your spouse, that is a huge red flag that maybe something is not right, okay? That you, if you have to hide it, then, then something is, is off. Something is not right. That's, that's number one red flag. Um, and, and, you know, I can already hear people say, but what about my privacy? What about me as a person having, having my own privacy? And, well, listen, the Bible says that when you are married, the two shall become one, and you don't hide anything from yourself, okay? So when you get married, you become one flesh, which means nothing is off limits to your spouse, that you are one, one entity, which means they know every single thing about you. And listen, this is incredibly important in a marriage, okay? Again, these things, these things seem small, but remember, the little foxes spoil the vine, that it always starts with hiding a text message, that adultery doesn't start in the, in, the, in the bedroom. Adultery starts with a little conversation that seemed nice and innocent that you hurried up and deleted because you didn't want your spouse to see. It starts with an a, a innocent email. It starts with, with just little things, uh, uh, just one uh, Facebook post. It, it starts with little things. And so to protect your marriage, nothing is hidden. Nothing is off limits. Amen? Amen. Nothing is limit, or is hidden from your spouse. And, and with that, I mean, just give me an example. Amber, uh, half the time I can't even find my phone because Amber has it, <laughs> and she's going through my text messages, which for me is a good guard because I have, uh, for those of you who have ever texted me, I have a tendency to forget to text back. So Amber's my little reminder as well. So there's a benefit to nothing being hidden. She, she helps me remember stuff, so that's good. But nothing is hidden from your spouse, okay? All right, here's, here's another one. Another, this one is huge as well. Seems small, but it's huge. You have to be careful who your friends are. You have to be careful who your friends are that are, that are outside of your marriage. And, and this is what I mean by that. There's a, there's a couple things that I mean by that. Friends that are in different stages of life than you. Okay. And again, I know this doesn't seem like a big deal, but listen, I've seen this particular topic that I'm about to talk about. I've seen it destroy or almost destroy one marriage and destroy another marriage. This little fox of not protecting your marriage and not protecting your marriage from outside friends. This little fox I've seen firsthand this almost destroy one marriage and destroy another marriage. So here's what I mean by that. You have to be careful of friends that are in different stages of life than you. That doesn't mean, again, please hear me out. It doesn't mean you can't have friends in different stages of life, but you have to be careful with friends in different stages of life than you. And this is why. When you get married and some of your friends that are not married, they're not gonna understand the dynamic of a marriage relationship. They can't understand it. And some of you who are newly married maybe can remember back when one of your friends got married and you're like, I don't understand why he can't hang out as much anymore, you know, or I don't understand why she can't just drop everything and come shopping with me like we usually do. You know, they, they, it's not their fault, but they can't understand the dynamics of a marriage relationship because they've never experienced it. But here's where the danger comes in. The danger comes in when they start saying things like, man, your husband seems really controlling. Like, she comes to you, your girlfriend, comes to you and says, hey, let's go shop. And you're like, hey, I can't, I'm going to hang out with my husband tonight. We're going to, we got this going on. And that happens a couple of times. And then your friend says something like, man, he, he just seems like he's really starting to control you. You need to be careful. You need to watch that. You know, they, they're, they're, they don't understand the dynamics of it. So in their mind, the husband's being controlling. But when you hear that from your friend, it's easy to have that thought like, man, you know what? You're right. He is being kind of controlling. I don't see why can't I go out and hang out with my friends, and it, it's that little thought that ends up just growing and growing and growing until it becomes this huge deal where you're screaming at your spouse that you can't control me, you can't tell me what to do, and all of a sudden this little seed of rebellion sneaks into your marriage that you didn't realize was there, all because a friend that's not in the same stage of life of you doesn't understand what's going on doesn't understand the dynamics that they are no longer your best friend, that your spouse is now number one priority, and they don't understand that. And these little foxes, these little things, these little comments from your friends that seem innocent and seem helpful are actually just seeds of rebellion waiting to hurt your marriage. So you have to be careful of friends that are in different stages of life with you. I mean, someday when you have when, or then when you have kids, it has a whole other dynamic of that. And, and again, it's not that you can't ever have those girls' nights or those, those guy nights. And it's just that before those things, your spouse has to come first. And those friends that aren't in that stage of life may not realize that. And you have to be careful and understand that they don't understand that and take all of their advice with a grain of salt. Okay? And so that's a huge Seems so small, seems so innocent, but it's huge. It's not that they can't still be your friends, but you have to make it very clear that your number one friendship is with your spouse, even if they don't understand that yet. And listen, if they can't handle that, if that friend keeps pushing and keeps trying to get you to confront your husband or your wife and tell them that they're being controlling and they keep pushing that issue, maybe it's time to step back from that friendship, okay? Okay. And I know that's difficult and that seems like an extreme thing, but listen, your marriage is too valuable to have a friendship that's trying to corrupt it. It's way more valuable. It's worth maybe stepping back away from that friendship for a while and cultivating your marriage relationship and protecting your marriage relationship. So that's a huge, seems so small, but it's huge. Here's, here's another one, and this kind of goes right along with it friends that are not for your marriage. Friends that are not for your marriage. Stay away from friends who are not willing to fight for your marriage. It's that friend that says things like, girl, you need to set him straight. You know what I mean? Or dude, don't let her control you like that. It's those, it's those friends who are not trying to protect and help grow your marriage. It's It's, it's your, it's those friends that maybe even say stuff like, man, you know, if he did that to me, I I would do this and I would do that. It's those, it's, it's those friends who are not trying to help your marriage, but they're actually hindering. They're throwing more coals on the fire. You know, they're trying to, to separate you and pull you apart. Um, And, and it's those friends and, and it can even be those friends that, that if you ever have a friend that tells you, man, you just need to get a divorce, it's time to ditch that friend. It's time to let that friend go because they are not helping your marriage, okay? Do you realize this? That there are several, there are many psychiatrists that say apart from losing a child, divorce is one of the most painful, emotional experiences a person can go through. That aside from losing a child, divorce is one of the most painful, emotional experiences you can go through. And, and I heard an example uh, uh, that went like this, that when you get married, when you get married, it's like, it's like, how many of you are woodworkers in here? Or know how to work with wood? I know Dan's back there. I got, and then your job is working with wood, Justin. So yeah, so you, you guys understand that when you glue a piece of, of two pieces of wood together and you, you bond them together, that when that glue dries, if you were to try to break that seam, what ends up happening? a little piece of this wood goes onto this piece of wood and a little piece of this wood goes onto this piece of wood okay so that's 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 what happens in a divorce that when you become one when you unite in marriage you become one piece of wood you're glued together but if you're try, if you try to break that a little piece of that person goes with them and a little piece of this person goes with them, it's, there's, it's, it's your souls are knit together in marriage. And to try to separate that is an extremely painful emotional experience. And so if you have a friend that is promoting divorce, they're promoting one of the most painful experiences that a person can go through. And I don't think that's a real good friend. Do you? And so you've gotta be careful to surround yourselves with friends who are, promoting your relationship who want your marriage to thrive who who help you and encourage you when you're struggling not who throw more coals on the fire not who keep trying to brood uh, up anger against your spouse so you have to be careful of that all right this one's I keep saying they're important they're all important they're extremely important or else I wouldn't have said them but this one is really important too Your spouse must be your safe place. Your spouse must be your safe place. And I mean this a couple different ways. You have to be able to confess and confide in them and talk to them about problems without being punished. You have to be able to confess and confide in them and talk to them about problems without being punished you have to be able to go to your wife and be like, hey, I, I had this issue and her not blow up in your face because what's going to happen at that point? The next time you have an issue, you're not going to want to go to your spouse because you're afraid of the reaction or, or, or the other way around. What tends to happen is guys tend to blow up, right? We just get angry. Girls tend to just dump a whole bunch of emotions on you and it's just overwhelming for us guys to handle. And, you, and, it's, and what you're doing is you're punishing your spouse, for coming to you with a legitimate issue, with a legitimate problem. Um, I'll be a little bit vulnerable for a minute. Uh, when, we, when I was in high school, I really struggled with pornography. It was an issue that I dealt with on and off, or off and on throughout my uh, teenage years. When we got married, it wasn't as, as big of a problem, but there were still those, those, again, those little foxes that were trying to come in and spoil the vine. Well, when the, I remember when we first... When we first uh, uh, kind of got married within the first few months. I was having some issues and I went and I confessed to Amber about it. And, and it was this huge deal, okay? It was, it, it crushed her and it, it made it, uh, she was extremely angry at me for obvious reasons, right? She was, she was very angry at me. And I remember it, it being after that moment, any other time that I would have any sort of a struggle, it was really difficult for me to go to her because... I was, afraid of, I was afraid of the consequences. I was afraid of, of how, one, I didn't want to hurt her, but I also was afraid of the reaction of what would happen. Well, as we grew in our marriage and um, then we, we became more mature, then later on down the road, uh, you know, again, it, and I, I, I really grew out of that. The Lord really delivered me from all of that. So, but, but still, just little things. I, I didn't want... This is this also goes along with protecting, but I I so didn't want that issue to ever creep back in that if there was even a slightest bit if I lingered on a Facebook post too long or if I you know if I saw a magazine or something and if it was just a little bit of of temptation I wanted to tell her because I didn't want that little fox to come in and try to spoil the vine. Well, as again as we begin to mature and and get. Uh, un- understand each other better, I've, I would come to her and I'd be like, hey, listen, I was really struggling and I, I uh, was going through on my Facebook feed and there was this little image there and, you know, I had this temptation to stop. I, I kept scrolling, but I had this temptation to stop. And her reaction to that, obviously she was concerned, right? Like any wife would be. But reaction to that instead of just being upset was, okay, thank you for telling me, let's work through this together. There wasn't this, I, there wasn't this quote-unquote punishment that came with it, this fear of me saying something to her about it, and, and because of that, now we have this open dialogue, you know, and again, I've been, I've been set free from that for quite a while now, but if there's ever any sort of temptation, we have this open dialogue about it, because, because she understands and I understand, and we're able to now have this conversation where we can protect that part of our marriage because I'm not afraid now to go and say, hey, listen, I had this struggle today or I, I, you know, I had this temptation today and she's able to help me through it instead of just being upset about it. Does that make sense? So it's important that we have this open, safe dialogue that you're not gonna blow up over an issue, or if they come to you and say, hey, listen, you did this earlier and it really hurt my feelings, you're not gonna get offended by that and just backlash and be like, well, you did this and blah, 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 blah. You have this open dialogue, this safe place where you can have this conversation without fear of being punished for bringing them some kind of information. Does that make sense? So it has to be safe. You have to be able to confess and confide and talk to them about problems without feeling like you're gonna be punished for doing so. Your spouse needs to know that they can come to you and have real mature conversations about issues through the lens, and here's from last week, through the lens of honor and security. And again, that goes back to that. They need to know that they can have real mature conversations with you through the lens of honor and security. Here's here's another way that your spouse has your safe place. Your fights, here's a big one. You ready? Your fights stay your fights. They don't become your mom's fight. They don't become your friend's fight. They don't become your co-worker's fight. It's an issue between you and your spouse. So that your fights stay your fights. That, again, you don't... You don't spread, you don't call up your, your mom and vent to her about your issues, okay? You don't call your best friend and be like, do you know what Josh did today? And you just lay it all out, but he, and here's why. And I'm not saying don't seek counsel. Hear me out, and I'll explain that in a minute. I'm not saying don't seek counsel if you need counsel. I'm saying don't just openly vent to whoever is in front of you at the moment, okay? Because here's what happens. Eventually, you're going to forgive them, and you're going to get past them. But the person you just vented to will forever see them through the lens of how you describe them. So if you're going off about your friend to your mom, or your, I'm sorry, you're going off about your husband to your mom, then she's forever gonna see that your husband through the lens of how you were describing them and through that fight. And, that, and they take up an offense for you against your spouse. And again, eventually they're, you're gonna forgive them. But they're going to have to work and deal through all of those things. Okay, so it's important that you don't just vent to whoever is there. Okay, that you your, that your fights that your issues stay between you and your spouse. All right, and here's the other reason why you need to be the greatest protector of your spouse's character. That you need to protect their character. And if you're just going off venting about their weakest moment, then you're not doing a very good job protecting their character. That you need to hold your spouse up high in front of your friends, your family, and your peers. That you are their greatest protector. And that you are are protecting their character. Amen? That you are their greatest protector. And again I want to say if it gets bad enough i 'm not saying don't seek counsel, but seek counsel intentionally, not in the heat of the moment not when you 're upset and you 're angry and five minutes later you 're going to get over it if you're going to, if you truly need to seek counsel, then seek counsel together it, it needs to be in agreement it needs to be it needs to be um, with with intentional um, it needs to be intentionally to make your marriage better, not just to vent, okay? So you can seek counsel. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it just needs to be intentional. Don't just vent in the moment, but protect your spouse's character by letting your arguments and disagreements be your arguments and disagreements, amen? I know, and I'm going to go to an end there um, with that. I know that this has all been extremely practical, but listen, that's, where, that's what this is. It's practical things. It's practical safeguards, safe rails that we can establish within our marriages, that we can do that keeps our marriages strong, that keeps us, keeps those little foxes from coming in and spoiling the vine.